Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Robson Green, Jackie Milburn, Tony Blair. Can you hear me, Tony Blair? Your boys have taken one hell of a beating. <laughs> Hi everyone, it's Gavia. We are just ready to get started, I think. Thanks for joining. First and foremost, we've got lots going on. I think every one of you who's here will have at some point seen the absolute mammoth schedule we've put together to try and make this happen. But I think first and foremost, it wouldn't make sense to start without talking about why we're doing this. I'll just send Julio a speaking invitation. Uh, But yeah, first and foremost, the reason we're doing this is to help raise awareness and raise money, most importantly, for our Christmas fundraiser for the Community Soup Kitchen. Um, I'm sure you've all had your timelines peppered all month now from us. We're not going to stop, unfortunately, for you lot. Uh, We are going to keep going. Um, But the point of all of this is to make sure that um, come the end of the 24 hours, maybe a few more people know about what goes on at the community soup kitchen hopefully there'll be a lot more money in the pot and basically to help people who need help i mean it's a it's one of those things when you go down to a soup kitchen you don't realize just how lucky you are if you live a privileged life like i do and like most of us listening right now probably do in that i don't have to worry about where my next meal comes from or these people that do they they actually they have to worry about a lot more than just feeding themselves because life isn't fair to them. And what we're doing is to try and make their lives a little bit easier. Um, and Andrea, she's an absolute saint. I mean, you'll have all heard her speak before. I'm going to get her on at some point over the next 24 hours to speak to you guys. But she's a saint. And if we can help in any way as a fan base, then we should because we can do a lot. Um, I just want to introduce today's co-hosts. We've got a lot of people with us at the moment. I can see Julio sat in the chat. Uh, Julio, if you're listening, I'm going to invite you to speak, mate. You should have a uh, an invite popping up on your device uh, asking you to join as a speaker. If you just press yes on that, we'll get you in. Uh, but first and foremost, I am with Philip West. How's Phil? Evening, Gav. Yeah, very well. Yourself? I'm good, mate. I'm good. Excellent. I'm a little bit nervous about this. Like, I've just been seeing off off chat. Um, yeah. It's the first time we've ever attempted anything as mad as this. Yeah. So, uh, a lot of planning has gone into it, but yeah, let's hope it all goes well. Um, Brett is also with us. Hello, Gav. Hiya, mate. Uh, how are you doing? You good? Yeah, yeah, we're getting there. And Ant, Ant Watson, who's been with me tonight at the soup kitchen. How's Ant? I'm, I'm really good, mate. Yeah, thanks very much. Yeah, um, another great night at the soup kitchen, obviously. You know, we were joined by Lee Johnson and Mel Ray from uh, from Sunderland Management, and both of them were superb. So, you know, it was it was a really really great night, wasn't it? Uh, yeah, let's let's talk quickly about that while we're waiting for Julio just to join 
uh, as a speaker. And again, like I say, Julio, I've sent you an invite. You might want to just leave and rejoin to get back in. Um, but yeah, I mean, tonight we, we had a down to the soup kitchen and yeah, it was great. We were joined by Lee Johnson. We were joined by Melanie Ray. Um, they were brilliant, let's be honest. I mean, they, they couldn't have been better. Um, the pair of them stood all night talking to guests, um, handing out food, mucked in, they really did. They, they got stuck in and helped out. Um, I mean, massive respect to them for even coming down. I mean, they didn't have to do it. That's the first and first thing, really. It's, it's very easy to just sort of uh, hide and sort of shield yourself away from the problems going on in the city. But fair play to the club. You've got to give them credit. They've, they've embraced it this year. And it's been great to um, to have them, really. Um, what, what, what would you say? And I mean, what, what was it like getting to meet them tonight and sort of the way that they approached it? You know what? I thought the pair of them were, were amazing. Like, you know, the, the, I think they were put on the fruit and the crisps and the pop side of things, which is, um, as you've experienced, Gav, it's quite a busy side of us. I mean, all of it's busy, but, you know, they're all wanting the pop, all wanting the fruit and veg and everything like that. And to be fair, especially to Lee Johnson, I mean, he was, he was making time for everybody who was there. Um, but the most, like, first and foremost with them, the, the cracked on, the, the grafters, the pair of them did, the grafted tonight. And it's not often, I don't think at many clubs you'll see that happen, Gav, you know, and, and that's kind of what makes Sunderland what it is. You know, we're kind of, you know, we're all a close-knit commute and everything like that. And for a guy who, you know, he's just come up a year ago, you know, he's not from around here. And to do that was, was tremendous. Um you know, obviously Mel's Mel, you know, Mel will always do some things like that. You know, Mel gets what this club's all about. You know, she's been in there, uh, been as, as, as the manager of uh, Sunderland Ladies for, for for quite a long time. And she really does get the uh, get the area and everything like that. You know, she's a local lass. But, you know, the pair of them I thought were absolutely amazing. And fair credit to them, you know, for, for coming down and for literally getting the getting the hands dirty as well as long as, as long as me you and uh, Tom because uh, you would you would have expected them just to stand and just watch for a little bit but they both came in and got the jobs done and I mean bless Andrew she was ordering them about wasn't she? Yeah, she was. She was. They didn't uh, they didn't pull any punches with that regard. They were put straight to work, weren't they? Um, Julio, we can see that you sat waiting to chat, mate. Um, yes. I think can you hear me? If I send you a speaking invite, you should be able to join as a speaker and say you've just sent me a message so yes if you we can't hear you yet but if you request to speak i can accept you so you can speak and then all the good people can hear you talk so yeah we're just oh, waiting okay. on julio um and crabbers actually god knows where he is um phil are you with us still there we go i am yeah um i think i think julio should just be connecting now i can see him as connecting no sent him back to a listener try again not sure what's going on with Julio's mic, but we will try again. He did. I did see him trying to speak there. There we go. I think Julio's hey, in. Hello. Julio, can you take yourself mute, mate? Yeah, hello, can you hear me? Hiya, Julio. Good to hear from you, mate. How are you doing? I'm fine. How are you? We are good. We are good. Thanks for joining us. Uh, you're the very first guest that we've got on this absolute marathon of Sunland fandom, I guess. It's um, it's going to be a long old 24 hours, but for you, I guess you'll join us right at the beginning. Yes, yes, it's good to be on this, and uh, it's great to to obviously hear what what you all been doing, uh, trying to help people, especially in this uh, well, this special month, no, when Christmas coming, New Year, and trying to help people. Uh, the way you've been doing is is fantastic. Yeah, it's a, it's it's a it's a difficult time of year. I mean, I guess are you back in Argentina at the moment? I am. Yes, I am in Argentina. Yeah. So. so 
I mean, let's just reflect very briefly on the sort of the thing what we're doing on, the, on this side of the water in Argentina. I mean, is is there a problem as big as the, the, on the scale we're seeing in the United Kingdom with regards to homelessness and and general poverty? Because, I mean, it's a worldwide problem, and it's nice to be able to put our little dint in it as we are helping out. But this is a big issue, isn't it? Oh yeah, definitely. I mean, uh, in Argentina, I think the situation is a lot worse than UK. Um, you can mm. see a lot of people living in the street, a lot of people begging for money, for food, for for everything, you know. Uh, and and it seems to be increasing um, since la- last time I was here. It's not yeah. good to see, but uh, you know, sometimes you know you can't help. But, uh, you know, it's not always in your hands. You know, I, I always say that the government should do something more, especially in this country. You know, when you see that many people, you know, trying to find food in the in, in bins, you know, in the rubbish, uh, that tells you something about the country. Um, obviously, I don't know how the situation is in UK at the moment because I haven't been there for a while. But uh, I can tell you that uh, in Argentina, it's not great at the moment. No. So how's retirement treating you now, Julio? I guess you're back in Argentina. Um, what are you doing with yourself these days? Yes, uh, to be honest, uh, we came back here uh, before the pandemic. Um, we were looking to stay here for for a few years and then go back over there. Obviously, situation changed with all this pandemic and the virus. Uh, so we'll see what we we are going to do uh, we're looking to go hopefully at some point in the winter to to uk for a few weeks and um and then we we make a decision if we stay here or or we go back over there regarding work i've been i've been doing um, something that is related to football um working in a we create a, 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 a international moving company for athletes around the world. So basically, when you know when when the athletes or footballers need to move from one country to the other, we try to look after everything they need. Um, we do basically that service for them to transfer everything they got in one place to the other place. Interesting footballers from who probably we would we would be aware of sort of coming to this this part of the world. Um, footballers that you. I mean, uh, we recently done uh, a, a footballer that he was in Manchester United uh, that he came back here, Man- Marcos Rojo. All oh, right, yeah. You hear yeah. about him, yeah. He came back from Manchester last year to play in Boca Juniors. So um, that was uh, our latest client. But uh, obviously, uh, December, January, now when the transfers start moving again, uh, we probably, hopefully, we got a lot of work to do. Yeah. Um, other than that, though, how how else are you, how else are you getting on life? Do you, do you still manage to kick a ball around, or are you is, are your are your boots firmly hung up now? No, no, no. They had they never hung up. Uh, you know, I, I went from being professional to semi-professional when South Shields, uh, and yeah. now uh, I still playing with uh, with friends when I can. Uh, I still love football, you know, especially playing. I like more to play than watch, but. Um, I'm still kicking the ball around at least once a week. I see Simon Crabtree's finally joined us. He's as late as ever. Ten minutes into the broadcast. Uh, Crabbers, do you want to take yourself off? Oh, you see, I couldn't even do that. Right, I was talking away there to myself <laughs> like an idiot. Sorry, everyone. <laughs> well, better late than never. That's a fine. It's a fine. Yeah, yeah. 
Uh, when was the last time you and Julio spoke? Can you who? <laughs> hello, my old friend. Hello, hello, Graves. How are I'm you? Long time no see. Likewise. I haven't heard that accent for a long time. A lot of people haven't. And it's been very nice for quite a lot of people as well. And even when I'm supposed to talk to them, I still can't get that right. So, hello. Thank you for inviting me. Really sorry I'm late. And I'm really sorry for then joining in and forgetting to unmute myself. <laughs> Apart from that, to, it's to gone be, really well. To be fair, Crabbers, I'm quite good at, at, at filling time. So, I managed to do a decent job of that, I think. So, you, you, we, we didn't miss you that much. Good. I'm sorry again. Sorry again. <laughs> hello. Grabbers, it's because you haven't got a lift this time, isn't it? That's what it is. That's exactly what it is. <laughs> <laughs> um, right, what I want to do to kick this off properly <sighs> is I'm going to get you two to play a little game of word association, right? So I, I'm not, I'm not going to throw any curveballs at you, don't worry. But when I read a name out, I'm going to, we're going to take turns here. I want you to say the first thing that comes to mind. And I'm going to start with Julio, right? Are we oh, ready, well. Julio? Let's see what you bring on. <laughs> Niall Quinn. Lesson. Crabbers. Roy Keane. Legend. Another legend, right? Okay. I'm just repeating what Julio says. To be fair. Yeah. To be fair, to be fair, you can you can expand on it. It doesn't have to be one. Word. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Julio. Bob Murray. Bob Murray. <laughs> A guy I look after myself. Uh, to be honest, when I was uh, when I was in Sunderland. Fair play. Crabbers, Nugsy. Oh, they tried to get the ball from Nairon and he said, <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> oh, good old Nugsy. One of the nicest people on the planet. Oh, 100%. I, I, would, I would love Nugsy to have his own podcast, actually. I think it'd be good crack. I'd listen to that. Yeah. Julio, Tori Andre Flo. Hmm. Oh, Tori Andre Flo. <laughs> that was uh, that was a player that tried to replace Niall Quinn and it didn't work out. Nice guy, but it was never it was never going to be another Niall Quinn. No, there's no there's, there is no other Niall Quinn. Uh, Crabbers, Gary Rowell, uh, the the legend, Lord Gary of Rowell. Uh, I don't speak to Gary quite as often as I should. It's one of those I've not I've not seen him for ages as well. But, uh, he keeps himself to himself, doesn't he? You don't really hear much from these Gary things. was the difference between um, me being on Metro Radio for probably three matches or for ten years. <laughs> so you basically owe your life to him. I'm not as far as that, maybe, but <laughs> but I think as far as, far as my Metro Radio Sunderland commentary career is concerned, I think it's safe to say that because Gary is such an iconic figure in Sunderland's history that um, people forgave me for being rubbish uh, when I first started out and when I finished as well and probably every bit in between. But at least because I was with Gary, I probably got away with it. So thanks. Thanks, Gary. <laughs> Julio Howard Wilkinson. <laughs> um, do, do we have time? <laughs> We've got all the time in the world. Go for it. Well, uh, it's not much, uh, not much good things I can say about that guy. Yeah. To be honest, you know, I don't think the the um, the way that I try to work for the club worked for the club because obviously things go worse, and um, we we expecting someone to obviously do a 
do even a better job than Peter Reed. And it, that was going to be hard because Peter Reed done a fantastic job in the club. And obviously, in a personal point of view, you know, we didn't connect. You know, we didn't connect at all. We have nothing in common. And, uh, and obviously, show because I play only four games, I think, or five games during his time in the Sun, in Sunland Football Club. Mm. Uh, next for you, Crabbers, is Mick McCarthy. Oh, well, McCarthy. Well, you know, I don't want to say anything bad about him, but <laughs> yeah. I hope his next shit's a hedgehog. Mick McCarthy. <laughs> Mick McCarthy was great with me. I, um, I, I don't think I could speak too highly of Mick. Um, got on really well with him. We had good times with Mick, didn't we? I mean, it's it's sad how it all ended in terms of managerial wise, but um, that season when when we got promoted and uh, just a really good guy and I think Mick as well is one of those who I think if I was to uh, walk past him or well he wouldn't let me walk past him in the street but he would he would stop now and we, we could have a good chat I just I really liked Mick I thought it was great really 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 great good man yeah Julio Nicolas Medina Nicolas Medina well um, I think what happened with Nicolas uh, obviously uh, after what happened with me the first season, the clue saw that uh, they could get, you know, another another player to to have an impact, you know, uh, in the team, and and obviously Nicolas had to wait a bit longer to play uh, in Sunderland Football Club. He, he was a great player, you know, technically really really good, but uh, the competition he had ahead of him it was it was too hard for him. You know, we're talking about. Uh, Alex Ray, we're talking about Gav McCann, uh, Stephen Schwartz, Eric Roy. So, you know, their players, they were too, uh, too ahead of him at that time. Uh, but, uh, you know, it's just seeing Nicolas went to Sunderland in the wrong time, you know? Yeah. Mark Poom, Krabbers? Poom! Poom, I think I've told you this. Well, I know I've told uh, Big Ant this story before, but uh, Poomy is one of the few players, if the only, Sunderland player that told me off in a supermarket once for really? you know go, I was I think it was a, I think it was in Durham it was a big Tesco in Durham that was I'm gonna say that it was new but it's probably about twenty odd years old now but um, doing a big shop and he stopped me he was coming the other way and he stopped me in the supermarket and started telling me off for all the stuff in the trolley this is not good for you this is not good for you these are not good for you there is too much sugar in this. This is not good for you. This wow, wow. but um, Pumi's <laughs> Pumi. I bumped into Pumi. Where did I see him last? Like in a really random place, and he was he was doing something. I think with the FA, um, he might have been doing a, a course or what have you. But he spoke to me as though it was literally only three minutes since the last time I'd spoke to him. Pumi's one of those. I'll always message him on his birthday. I will always send him a message on his birthday and. One year, um, something through the, just something came through the post. It must have been when he was at Arsenal. And he'd sent me um, one of his shirts from Arsenal just through the post, just randomly. I can't remember whether it was my birthday or just because he's just a genuinely nice guy. But it was, the, it was the last ever season from Highbury. And he sent me through one of his goalkeeping shirts and signed a really nice little message. In fact, as I look behind me where I'm sitting here now, uh, there's a bottle of Puminator, Puminator Ale. From Darwin Brewery, um, but Pumi, what a guy, Pumi! I mean, it, it was the whole, it all came from Michael Ingham. 
I'm sure people remember Michael Ingham, who was the young, yeah, of course, guy. Yeah, you, of course, you remember him. And Inga used to say that uh, he would never come out of the gym, Pumi, and they uh, they literally had to kick him out of the gym. He said, "He's like, he's like, he's like a robot in there," and that's where the Puminator <laughs> come from, from Michael Ingham. And then, of course, when he scored that goal against Derby County, he looked every bit the robot. Sort of running upfield, heading it, and then running all back down again, really sort of like an android with zero emotion. Just ran up, bang, goal, and then back again. Okay, I have scored. It is one one now. We can go home. <laughs> what a guy. Did you Julio, did you play in that game when, when Mark Poom scored? Yeah, I did play, I did play. And uh, no, he was to be honest, like Kraft say, he was uh, he was a great guy. You know, great guy to to have in the in the in the team, uh, extra professional. Um, as he mentioned, um, the the physios had to kick him out of the gym because uh, he didn't <laughs> want to leave. He was the first person to be in the training ground and the last one to leave every day. And he will stay till four five o'clock in the afternoon doing weights. And um, I'm sure his wife wasn't that happy, but uh, she was happy he that was, he wasn't uh, with him. Probably, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it was. Uh, Excellent foot, you know, excellent goalkeeper and, and, and even better person. Emerson Tom Julio. Well, one of uh, one of the friends that uh, I still I still got in football. You know, in, in football normally you play with with many footballers, but uh, then football takes you to different places and and you know, rarely you keep in touch with everyone. But Emerson has been more more than a friend. He's been like a brother. You know, uh, it's been twenty years since we first met or more. Um, we still, you know, we still talking every few months. Uh, we saw each other a few years ago. So, a uh, fantastic, uh, fantastic person that he really, really helped me out through the beginning of my career in Sunderland. Do you know what? He loved Gary Rowell. Loved Gary, and it, he... and, it and it even through Gary. And I remember we were going. He goes, "You tell Gary Rowell." I love Gary Rowell. I love him. <laughs> old Gary. Yeah. It threw him a little bit. And then when he actually saw him, it just I don't know what it was. Well, I don't know what it was. I think because whenever we used to do the commentaries, Gary would, if he was ever going to say anything bad about a player, he would at least be really constructive with it. And I think Emo appreciated that. But I think there was like a mutual appreciation between them both. I think Gary loved Emo and Emo loved Gary. You might have seen it on the on a toilet door. I don't know. It was... It was uh, a g- good mutual appreciation between the two of them. Let's put it that way. Darren Williams, Travis. Dazzler. Oh, Darren. I, I think Darren, um, just trying to look at what year it is just to work out how many kids he's probably got by now. Darren, Darren <laughs> Williams is like the old lady who had a shoe. Like every every other week, his missus seems to be having a baby. Honestly, it was like... <laughs> must have a telly. A one egg well. And we know what they did have, but um, <laughs> but but Darren, another one of them, and and Darren, I think loved being at Sunderland and um, daft lad when he wanted to be, but again, one of the nicest. Do you know what? There's not a lot, if any, of players from when Julio played that sort of era that I would say I didn't like. So if you name any single player from around that time, pretty much. I would say nice things about them because, and Julio will will probably back me up on this in terms of, it was just a really, really good, a grand group of lads. Just, re- just really, really good lads. I think that was, a lot of them 
I think Reedy and then Mick bought because of the way that they would gel together. And were you struggled to name someone who you didn't like, Julio? Or could you name five or six no. off the top of your head right without? Well, to be honest, uh, in the beginning, when, when Reedy was there, uh, it was strange for me because obviously I didn't speak the language, so I, I, I didn't really connect with many footballers. Then with the pass of the seasons, then I started to connect with more footballers. I could speak better English. Uh, obviously, during Mick McCarthy time, yeah, I was more, um, well, I had more experience. Uh, you know, I was I was comfortable being, uh, you know, around any player, you know, not just English player and foreign players. I couldn't speak the language as well. So during Mick McCarthy time, it was fantastic time. Like you mentioned, I think it was, it was like a big group of friends. You know, we were happy every week. Uh, obviously, the results help, you know, when you're winning every week. But we have a great two seasons with Mick McCarthy. You know, the, the first, well, the, the first two seasons in the championship, the one we, we got in the FA Cup semi-final and the other one when we got promoted. So that was that was a true fantastic season for the club. And it seen, everyone seems to be happy in the club, not just the footballers. It was a good atmosphere in there, you know? It, that must be like a crash course in the English language, that Peter Reid, Bobby Jackson. <laughs> like, what, what was that like, sort of trying to get used to that dynamic in the dressing room and obviously the, the way the two of them spoke? I, I mean, it's hard for us to understand <laughs> what they're saying, never mind somebody who didn't know the English language particularly well at the time. Well, imagine if it's hard to understand Peter Reid, how hard was to understand Bobby Saxton. That was, <laughs> that was, that was extremely hard. I think if I met him now, I probably still find it hard to understand him. <laughs> but Sax, uh, they were like, no, nah, they were a fantastic, uh, a fantastic thing, you know, a fantastic thing. Uh, um, the, the, all of them helped me out. Um, Adrian Heath was the only one that could speak a bit Spanish there, and uh, he did he did help me out. But uh, you know they look after me. You know obviously the language was a barrier, but uh, in football you know when you go in the changing room you only need a board on the wall and that's it. You understand everything they say, you know. Um, <laughs> so no, yeah, I think I, I, I'm grateful that. Instead of having a foreign player, a foreign manager, I have an English manager in my career in Sunderland. Because that teach me how how much uh, you know how much work you need to do, especially to play in Sunderland. How much they care about the club. So I think it was good for me to have an English manager at the beginning of my career in Sunderland. What well, Crabbers did you ever meet Bobby Saxton? I presume you did. Did I ever meet Bobby Saxton? Are you kidding me? <laughs> Give me some. <laughs> yeah. Come on, you must have a Saxton story. Everyone's got one. Uh, I mean, you probably know. I, I I spent. It's not a Sacco story as such, but it's probably an example of the sort of the the camaraderie amongst there. I'd gone to. Um, I can't remember who was who, why I was there, but there was a cricket match at Chesterley Street, and it, I think I think England were playing, and it, but it had poured down, so we just ended up in one of the tents all day. So there was me. Have we lost Crabbers? I think we might. Gary, oh, I'm still here. He's <laughs> in the middle you. of telling a very good story there. Oh, Never mind. Um, I'll. I'll, I'll, I'll <laughs> was he speaker over there, Crabbers? Can you hear us? I think we might. I have can hear him. you. I'm going to throw that st- that one back at you, Julio. Oh. Everyone's got a, a story about Peter Reid and Bobby Saxton, but that was a, a man who fascinates me and fascinates fans alike. Hello. Um, because I just think 
the more that you hear Hello. from um, players of your era at Sunderland, they all seem to speak really highly of them, don't they? Of um, yeah, of them, yeah. Of one, yeah. I mean, they were they were uh, put it this way. Obviously, things were different before. You know, we're talking about twenty years ago. Um, they 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 knew what uh, they could or how they could make the team play, and they knew how much, um, or, you know, how much work they need to do to get the best of the players. Um, we didn't need to do, like, tactics all the time or, you know, or do set pieces all the time. You know, sometimes with one meeting, they could motivate the players enough to go and win games, you know? Um, and that's, that's something that uh, not every manager have. And I think the... The, well, obviously, all of them they have, you know, they have something to motivate the players and 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 to go and perform for them. Obviously, you perform for the club, you perform for the fans, but you know, to perform for the manager as well, it really happened. And I think every player wants to do well for them as well. Yeah, are you back with us? Well, I never left, so I'm really. I see you there as a speaker. I'm confused. Yeah, I don't know if you can hear I me. I can hear you. I don't know um, why you can't hear never me. Mind. We'll get him back. Crabbers, if you want to rejoin. Can you hear me or can you not we'll hear me? We'll remove you as a speaker and we'll get you back in. Um, we will get him back. Uh, yeah, sorry, Julio. We'll, we'll go back to what we were doing anyways. Um, I was going to ask Crabbers next, but I'll take you. John Cook? Oh, what a guy Cookie was. Um, yeah, a tremendous guy to have around the training ground to to help well, everyone. Everyone like Cookie, you know. Um I find it hard when when he left the club, you know. Um, I find it hard because yeah. uh, he was such a nice guy, and he deserved to be there to the time he wanted to be, you know. Uh, instead of getting, you know, getting rid of him. But, um, but yeah, it was great with me. Uh, the way we used to speak at the beginning it was funny because he was trying to speak Spanish to me. I was trying to speak English to him, and he was. Uh, we have some. Some good laugh in the in the changing room, but uh, no, great guy, you know, great guy, and I heard he was a good footballer as well. Yeah, I am here, and I do, uh, there we go. I don't know what is going on. We, it's this newfangled Twitter stuff, man. It's, we're still getting used to it, aren't we? We're trying to do twenty four hours of this, remember? So we 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 were uh, we're expecting. A I love the fact that somebody in South America has got a better reception and is much clearer than someone who is just up the road <laughs> from you. Yeah, I wonder, what was that? I wonder where yeah, you are. <laughs> Crabbers, Kevin Ball. Oh, uh, but Castles, you know, we say one, but so I mean, Borley, everybody should automatically just stand up and salute. I think whenever we mention Borley, full stop, shouldn't they? Because um, he just makes you want to do that. Borley just made you want to be better. So when I was thinking about him this morning, actually, about ironically enough, being late. And then, I, if I'm being honest, I fell asleep on the settee downstairs and then that's why I was late for the start of this one. But when Borley was um, sort of in charge of the football club and we would do press conferences, he'd said, if you're late for the press conference, you would be fined, say, a fiver or what have you. So there was a couple that I was late for. And it was like, ah, oh, ha, 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 ha. And he pulled me and he went, because I know you think like you probably do it because it's funny and what have you, but actually it's really disrespectful. If you're late for stuff that um, people have asked you to get there on time for, it's actually 
a really disrespectful thing if you then turn up late for it. And I hadn't really looked at it that way before. I just was really bad at timekeeping. And then obviously for me to be late for this, like I say, it is a fine. So I'll I'll donate I'll <laughs> donate to the to the soup kitchen because of me turning up late. I'll, I'll donate again because of that. But um it then Good on man. the strength of what Bully had said, I sort of I reprogrammed my watch. So it was always on like five minutes earlier than it should have been. So that wasn't late. And then of course then when Roy Keane came in, I actually made it a little bit more as well because he pulled me when Keane was coming in and he said, because if you're late for him, he won't be as forgiving as I am and he will he will just, that'll be, it'll be over with him. Um, so that was, that's number one about Kevin Ball. But when we did, I don't know if anybody remembers the sort of the pre-season tour and I, I think it was when Moisey came in. I think Moisey came in halfway through the pre-season tour if if that's a thing. So we were doing it all in effectively like a, a cupboard on the edge of Manchester at Media City. So me and Borley had meet up and the games were in France. And there's some in France and then I think they went to Spain as well. But we were, we were oh, doing yeah, them just yeah. off a screen. So the first couple went okay and we were actually getting really good uh, listening figures. And then Moisey came in. So, of course, the interest peaked. And uh, more and more came in. And we were doing a game. It might have been German. Whatever it was, anyway. It doesn't really matter, does it? But we were doing a game. And after about five minutes, the screen that we were doing the commentary on, it just went orange. Just that we lost the picture. And we just all we had was an orange screen. And yeah, we looked and we looked at yeah. us. And I went, well, we seem to have lost the pictures there. But we'll just keep going. We kept talking without any sort of screen. And people just kept on sending us messages through Twitter and stuff. And it was, I think that was when the iconic, who would you fight against? Would it be 10 Aruna Kone, oh, 10 ducks, no, 10 Aruna Kone's the size of a duck or one duck the size of Aruna Kone or something like that. That was one of them. But the best part of half an hour or more, that was literally all we had, an orange screen. And, we talk, and then Borley declared his love for castles. I knew there was a reason for telling you this story. Borley just because he was born in Hastings and there were castles there. And as a kid, he loved castles. He would talk about his favourite castles. So afterwards, the guy who was who was running it all, Stuart Vowes, who was brilliant at Sunderland, like just always one step ahead of all technological advancements, and he had great ideas, and he had ideas for doing kit launches and things online, and just brilliant, brilliant, brilliant person. I still speak to Stuart quite a lot and uh, I met up with him not that long ago for a bite to eat just to sort of remember Sunderland days and he said the figures he said you could draw a line and it was something like when the match kicked off bear in mind pre-season friendly online commentary it was something like a hundred thousand people had been watching when it kicked off which by by any sort of standards is ridiculous when you compared it to even Premier League clubs would have killed for a pre-season tour that got 100,000 people watching or listening. And he said, not yeah. once during the half an hour where we had nothing to commentate on other than orange screen, did it drop below 100,000. He said, if anything, it went up a little bit. And it was all because <laughs> just Borley just telling some of the best stories ever. And if you ever want anybody who... I mean, there's a few people throughout Sunderland history who you would say is a Mr Sunderland... So like Gary, who obviously born and bred and lived and would die for Sunderland, 
Charlie Hurley, who, uh, God bless him, absolutely adored, still does love Sunderland. And then you just get up to the sort of the bally stage. And like the fact that he just never, ever wanted to go, probably killed him having to go to Burnley and would have been at Sunderland forever. Maybe made him love Sunderland a little bit more. The absence makes the heart grow fonder and all that. But um, but Borley's definitely. I sound like it's just a loving again. I think we did this when I went into the studio for you, didn't I? I love him and I love him and I love him. Fifteen <laughs> pints of Guinness you're probably bit, helped that day, didn't it? But um, you were a bit hungover that day. I, was, I wasn't hungover. I was still drunk. I think when we did that podcast, that was after <laughs> Julio. I'd met up with Reedy, with Brian Robson, with Nigel Pearson, with Kevin Phillips. A couple of others were there as well. About was it 12 amp the day before now i had the presence of mind to lose them for five or six hours before the event started but they were all still drinking at half six the next morning and um i couldn't keep up and Ant oh, had to <laughs> literally pick me up didn't you Ant? you had a lovely cuddle, we did have a lovely, a lovely cuddle. cuddle. <laughs> it was a very emotional moment and you needed we oh, needed yeah. a mcdonald's we needed a cup of tea or two or ten and, uh, but that was it. But Borley, legend, absolutely of the highest order. I've heard a lot of stories about Brian Robson on the drink, actually. You reckon he was, he's legendary, isn't he, for being able- I met up with him. Uh, he's just released um, a DVD, Brian Robson, or an online sort of film, uh, about him and his time at Manchester United. So we were having a chat about all sorts of stuff, and um, absolutely he is. I remember... He must have been the manager at Middlesbrough at the time because I, I covered Middlesbrough for a short while before I got the commentary gig at, at Sunderland. I remember being in Yarm and watching him playing pool and he'd had a couple of beverages, shall we say. But as soon as someone said, let's have a game of pool, he got on there and he's just the, the professional winner in him sort of kicked in and he was sinking pretty much every single ball on the table. Just to, I mean, for England, he was my hero as a kid for England, Brian Robson. What a player he was, absolutely. I'll tell you a question, if I'm allowed to mention another player. I know you're going through Sunderland players, but Julio, I don't, I can't remember having a chat about Diego Maradona with you, but given the fact that obviously the club that you started at was the one that Maradona sort of started at as well, what what are your memories? I don't, I don't suppose you ever saw him playing, did you? No, I never saw him play live. Um, I saw him playing... Uh, obviously, uh, during his time uh, in Argentina, the World Cup 1994. Uh, at, when he played 1990 and 86, I was I was a bit young, but no, uh, you've killed uh, me there. I mean, uh, it, it's, it's talking. Uh, we we talking like Messi now, basically. You no, know? it's just uh, a different player that you see players like that come out once every 20 years, probably or something like that. Um, Fantastic footballer, you know, shame about his personal life. You know, I, I, I think if we have a, a better a team to look after him, he could still with us now. But uh, sadly, obviously, he didn't do things right. And, and that's why it happened, why it happened. But uh, as a footballer, you know, every time I watch a video of him, it's just incredible, incredible, fantastic with- footballer. Was the shadow of him? Because, like I say, you, I mean, you played. Was it Argentina's juniors that that he played at as well? Yeah. Was that was his club team as well, wasn't it? You know, when you went there, was there like pictures of him everywhere and stuff like that. 
Not really, to be honest. Because um, he was in Argentino Juniors. It was good when he was there. But uh, it, it wasn't the Maradona that they, they, they became afterwards. You know, when he went to Boca Juniors, then I think it was Barcelona and then Napoli. Um, in Argentino Juniors, it was good. Uh, but I think with the pass of the time, he got well recognized. Obviously, now Argentina Junior Stadium uh, is called obviously Diego Maradona. They got pictures of him everywhere. They got the number ten in one of the stands. So it's always been a legend. But uh, obviously, the last I will say last twenty years, he became even bigger in Argentina Juniors. Right. Anybody listening who has questions for Julio, questions for Crabbers, request to speak and we'll let you join in. But first, I think Phil's got something to ask you, Crabbers. Hi, Crabbers. Uh, first of all, it's a pleasure to talk to you, actually, because I've listened, enjoyed listening to your commentary for so many years. Um, what I wanted to ask you was, obviously, that burned the game in 2007, the topsy-turvy 3-2 victory. Um what was it like when that Carlos Edwards goal actually hit the back of the net? I mean, that was I mean, I remember your commentary on that. That must have been one of your most thrilling moments of com- commentating on Sunderland games. Yeah, I, I mean, my only regret is that it wasn't the top of the Premier League rather than the top of the, the Championship. But um, just that, it was just another really good season, wasn't it? When when Roy came in and from the disappointment of the of the relegation, and then Quinny trying to stabilise the ship, and us then. Dropping and dropping and dropping, and then was it a League Cup game? I think wasn't it at, at Berry, and getting beaten by them, and just thinking, well, it really can't get any lower than this. And then Quinny saying afterwards, sort of interviewing him, and he said, "We've got a world class name coming in to manage the football club." We're all thinking, "Ooh, ooh, who's it going to be?" And straight away, Gary went, "Roy Keane, hundred percent, it's going to be Roy Keane coming in." And uh, a couple of days later, and it, the impact was immediate. And all the players, you could you could see them all walking a little bit taller, chests out a little bit further, and training levels raised, match levels raised, and he just everybody just wanted to be better. So that season was just then, like I mean, Quinny calls it the magic carpet ride, doesn't he? In terms of uh, Sunderland, what happened there, and then to go down towards the end of the season and that game. It was a night game, which oh, I love night games at, at I was going to say Royal Park then, at the Stadium of Light. Just the atmosphere that used to create in a full house as well. And with it being such an important game, I think it was live on Sky at the time as well. And then just to pick up the ball deep inside the round. There was penalties in there, save penalties, scored penalties. You know, the, the scoreline kept changing. And then for Carlos to score in the manner that he did as well. It didn't take a lot for me to lose the plot when we scored good goals. But that night, because it was so important and then just, oh, just I can picture it. So I probably, cause I've, I've been sent that video so many times, either on, on Twitter or on Instagram or wherever it might be, or someone's talked to me about it. And it's such, it's so nice that there are goals that reality were absolutely nothing to do with me. The only, Thing I, I was just like you lot. I just happened to be watching it, but because I screamed in front of a microphone, some people might remember that rather than. But it was just it just made so many people happy that night. And I remember going like a lot of those moments that you enjoyed, that I enjoyed as well. That I then like Gary after the the game at Sid James's that time, and he said, "You're not going home. We're going into town. 
and you're going to understand exactly what this win means. So every time it happened after that, I tried to do it. And that night, it was just a forgotten weekend after that. I remember going out. In fact, I don't really remember going out. I know I was out. I know I was, I was out with a lot of the lads till the wee small hours of the morning in all sorts of different establishments. And I remember still being out on the Sunday with Grant at the Seaton Lane Inn with uh, Big AD and Pricey and Carl and all the other gang. that uh, I've got to say, actually, um, while it's in my mind as well. So we used to go, me and Gary and a lot of us actually used to go in Brogans and Privilege. And, um, Ooh, that's, get, that's going back a bit, isn't it? It <laughs> is, I know. But, oh, <laughs> absolutely great days. But one of the lads who was part of that as well, uh, Big Eric, who sadly passed away this week and his brother got in touch with me Um I'm so glad he did because Eric is just another one of the legends. People will know of that time that sort of went out as well. What a good guy Eric was. So I've got to, I've got to say that if you know, if any of his mates or his his family are listening, what a what a lovely guy Eric was. Who absolutely loved Sunderland through and through. And I've spoke to Barry Dunn this week about Eric as well. I know it's his funeral uh, a week today. So just to sort of another one of the Sunderland family that's that sadly that we've lost. Um, this week so just while it was in my mind I just wanted to say just sort of love to all the family and, and condolences and everything and, but Eric loved that night as well because it was one that we giggled about and it, undoubtedly he would have been out drinking with us that night as well um, but just a, a great, I had loads and loads and loads of really really enjoyable times days matches nights at Sun just because just being in the city absolutely it was one of Probably, well, 100%, it was the most enjoyable time of my, certainly my professional career. And I've got many of my favourite moments in my personal life as well that I've got Sunderland and the supporters and the football club and the players to thank for that. And that's why I absolutely love that football club. Oh, that's nice. <laughs> yeah. I could listen to you talk all day about Sunderland. Um, Cameron, are you with us, mate? Cameron Phillips. Hi, Gav. I'm well, thanks yourself. Yeah, good. Have you got a question for one of the guys? Yeah, I have a question for, for Julio. Go for it, mate. Hi, yeah, Cameron. So, Julio, how are you doing? You okay? I'm good, I'm good. You? Yes, very well, thank you. Very well. Uh, so my question is, who's the best football player you've ever played with? In Sandram for good glue. Or... In, in, in any of your teams? Well, to be honest, uh, it's hard to pick one. Uh, I was lucky and privileged to play with some fantastic players. Obviously, when I arrived in Sunderland, you know, we have so many good players. But obviously, Kevin Phillips was one of the, you know, one of the best players I played. You know, um, and then through my time in in the national team, I played with fantastic footballers as well, like. Javier Saviola, you know, players that uh, Andres D'Alessandro. Uh, I was lucky to play as well with guys coming Dieta, you know, a play a fantastic footballer. I used to like watch him when I was young playing for Valencia. Uh, and I was lucky to play with him as well in, in Middlesbrough. So hard to pick one, but uh, but yeah, it was so many, so many good footballers. Great, great, thank you. Thanks, Cameron. No Cheers problem. for joining us. Cheers, lads. Uh, I think we have Christopher Lumley with us. Hi, Chris. Can you take yourself off mute, mate? Ah, uh, yes. How are we doing? Hi, Chris. How are you doing? You've got a question for one of the lads? Yeah, um, I was just 
wondering about uh, Julio because he, he's influenced my uh, amateur footballing career in terms of uh, wearing my socks halfway or less <laughs> down my shin. <laughs> uh, I often get still playing sort of uh, pub football now in my mid-30s, uh, Jack Grealish sort of insults thrown my way, but it's all down to you, Julio. So what, what made you wear them like that? Well, to be honest, all started um, when I, I think it was the first few games I played for Sunderland. And we have these uh, Nike socks and they were really tight. Uh, I don't know why. I mean, I, I don't really have, a, you know, muscly legs, but um, they were they were really <laughs> tight. So I asked, I asked uh, Cookie, can I cut them off? And he said, no. You know, allowed to good enough, you know. So, and that's why I start like put it down so I have less pressure on my calf. And and then I find it comfortable, you know. And and that's the style that, uh, that I got, you know. So many people uh, mention me, oh, you know, why don't that? But that was the reason why I don't that. And then somehow uh, it's just stuck like that, you know, all my time, you know, since I, even now when I play football. I still wear shimpers, obviously, when you go and play, and I still wear my socks down. Uh, it's just a habit that they got, you know. Thanks, Chris. Cheers for for, for jumping in. Uh, have we got anyone else who wants to ask a question? I see Lee Thompson is with us. I'll bring Lee in. The saxophone player from Madness? Um, I don't think so, mate, no. I don't you think say so. that, but you don't know. Let's find out. <laughs> it must be love, grabbers. Hey! Oh, well done. I don't think Lee wants to talk to us. Lee, you there, mate? Ah, uh, Lee, too late. Too late. We've got to be... Uh, we have so little time. Boo. Sorry. <laughs> uh, David, David Coulthard, I'm bringing you in, mate. David, can you hear us? <laughs> Coulthard. Are these just famous people who are actually just <laughs> jumping in? Yeah. He's probably on his way to Abu Dhabi right now. <laughs> <laughs> Here he is. He is. He... Trust us, I'm not picking these... Um, Come on, on David. Come on, David. We can see you connecting. Come on, mate. Oh, unmute yourself. Unmute yourself, David. Hello, can you hear me? We can yeah, help. sorry, guys. Um, can we hear him? Yeah, um, just a question for Julio. Um, Julio, when you when you went on to play for uh, South Shields late in your career, um, I'm just wondering what your uh, recollection is of the famous incident against uh, Morbeth when the floodlights went out after you sent off. I'm sure there's nothing in the rumour that you had anything to do with that, but um, just wondering what <laughs> just wondering what your memories were of that particular incident. Oh, well, I, I literally went down there and I put the cables off, but uh, no one saw me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm only kidding. Uh, I wish, uh, well, to be honest, strange things happened, and that was one of the strange things that happened uh, that day against uh, Morpet. Obviously, we were losing the game. Um, I, I can't remember what stage of the, of the cup it was. And then I was in the stands, you know, watching the game because I, I got sent off that game. And um, and somehow the lights went off. And it probably was a miracle. You know, it happened just to help us get, get through the final. But uh, obviously, we, we'll never find out what happened that day. But, uh, you know, at the end of the day, uh, it gave us a chance to replay that game. Uh, we won that game comfortable, the the, the, the second game, um, and then we achieved, uh, you know, something that for South Shields and for for people working in that club 
was something to see far away. And we managed to achieve that. In, you know, well, that season, I think we, we won four, four different Cups uh, and that was, uh, that was the best one. Wembley, 18,000 people in there. You know, fantastic day. Julio, you know, you know, uh, I, w- I was going to ask you actually about South Shields. That must have been mental from your perspective to drop to what was it, Northern League Division Two at the time? I mean, what was uh, that like well, playing with? To be that, honest, that I, even, of... I play even lower than that. I play Sunday League, so <laughs> that was a step <laughs> yeah, higher. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> what? How did you find it? Though was was it? I'm presuming it was just a breeze, but um, there was there must have been something about it that kept you going back because you were there quite a while yeah I was there for three years um, to be honest I uh, the beginning was um, I enjoy every season uh, it was like going back in time you know when I was young I remember my time when I was young when I was nine ten years old and uh, I used to play in, in different you know fields around here in Argentina and they all seemed to be similar you know instead of having the fans I used to have my dad or family watching me and um and it was great. Obviously, since got better season after season, and um, the the stadium, our stadium, South Shields, got a lot better. The pitch was fantastic. You know, before I left the club, it's even better now. Uh, but uh, uh, it was it was to see a club like that, that South Shields growing. You know, growing in every way, growing on the football side, growing fans, uh, the stadium, uh, everything was was just picking up, and you know. They're not far away to to gain to you know professional football. Uh, I think the the you know they were close last time, and then the pandemic arrived, and they didn't have the chance to obviously get promoted because they were far away from the second team in the league. But uh, they're doing the right things. Uh, they got the right support. A lot of people supporting them. Uh, they're doing a lot of things with academies, with education as well. So, now fantastic clue. And I have to say, you know, I always thank them for the opportunity. Um, they look after me. It's great people working in that club, fantastic per- people there. Uh, so, yeah, I have a good time there as well. Ant, you want to ask something? Well, t- just a quick one with, with <laughs> Julio mentioning that he played Sunder League, right? Just, just as for everybody, really. Can you imagine being that poor bloke who had to mark Julio on Sunday League? <laughs> <laughs> You've rocked up, you're absolutely over from the Saturday night, and then, oh no. Um, but any, anyway, Crabbers, you all right? I am, yeah. I'm just looking at all the people who are listening. I mean, it's fantastic anyway. Just a reminder, obviously, why we're doing this. I'm sure you'll mention it anyway in terms of. Um, you guys and the fantastic stuff that you do for the soup kitchen in Sunderland, um, and I, I'm sure you'll tell us all how to to uh, donate money. But uh, Trevor Sinclair, England international, played at World Cups. He's listening there. Guy Mowbray's just sent a message there. Frankie Francis as well. Who I have to apologise for for people thinking he'd been uh, kicked out of the club during the week when I was actually talking about Preston North End's manager uh, leaving uh, during the week. I'd said about Frankie, and I went, Frankie. Why was that? It's Frankie. I got, oh, not not that Frankie. Really, so, so sorry about that, Frankie. Uh, and hello, Trev. And um, yeah, that that's it. Really, I was just. Um, I want to ask Julio actually about and to 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 coin George Colkin from the Times his catchphrase at the time when Julio was really shellfish and uh, went in the sea and got stung by a jellyfish. Oh yeah, I was going to ask about that. Yeah. <laughs> sorry on this oh. podcast. You, the, the, everyone wants to hear that story. I don't know why. Um, <laughs> that, that was well, going back to what Simon said. Mick McCarthy was there. 
it was uh, we went to be honest only starting in a preseason in America. We went for a preseason in America, and after every training, we used to jump in ice bath, um, and that was something that got popular at that time. You know, obviously we came back to Sunderland, and we didn't have twenty ice baths in the club. You know, we used to have three or four. So one day Mick decided to go uh, to take us to the to the sea. You know, to the rocker uh, to the rocker bridge, and uh, we went there thinking that we were going to go for a run. Um, we ended up in the sea, you know. Uh, it, was, it was cold. It was October or November. It was freezing, you know. Uh, imagine just standing there with just a pair of shorts without uh, a mic telling us to go to the water. And then we're thinking, like, why? Why are we, <laughs> we going to get any better doing this, you know? Uh, and we ended up getting in the water up to our hips, yeah? And Mick somehow start swimming. We saw Mick swimming in the water. So I'm thinking, I didn't say this to obviously him, but I'm thinking, this guy is, is absolutely crazy, you know, doing this, you know, why are you doing this? It's just causing pain to us. Um, and he asked us to get in the water. And when I go in the water, in the, up to probably the water up to the neck, I, I saw this black thing, you know, near my arm. I pulled my arm out. And it was this massive jellyfish. Obviously, it was, um, I mean, it was it was ridiculous big. It was it was like an octopus. It wasn't like a jellyfish. And, uh, and, and the funny part was like, I got told that when when he gets to by a jellyfish, someone had to pee on you, yeah. Because <laughs> uh, apparently it takes the pain away. So I came out of the water and I was begging the last to pee on me. That was how painful that, how painful that was. So I was, I was, I remember like on my knees in the sand. Yeah, I can't, I cannot forget this picture. I was on my knees on the sand, begging the last to pee on me, and um, and no one did. So went back to the training ground. Doctors have a look at me, and and then I start like feel a bit dizzy. Um, I didn't feel that well, and I ended up in uh, intensive care for a night <laughs> because uh, that jellyfish. So. It was funny for all the lads. It wasn't that funny for me. And then Mick, Mick came to the hospital. And, you know, uh, to be honest, uh, good on his side. He came to apologize and I said, Julio, I can promise something. We never, ever go back to this. <laughs> <laughs> so that, that, was, that was the story about that, that famous jellyfish. It, it must have been a black and white, you know, jellyfish. Have to be. I, yeah, I heard Chris Brown talking about it. And he, it was the way he delivered. It, it gets back the training ground, and three of our lads are pissing on our best player. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember him saying, "I saw, I saw his, uh, uh, yeah, his story, surely his own story." Well, I don't think there's a better place to end this than on the story of Julio being pissed on. To be honest, so, um, <laughs> so no many, no many the, the teammates to piss on on them, don't you? <laughs> no, cheers guys thanks for joining us we really appreciate your time tonight I wish we could have gone on longer but we have a schedule but no thank you very much Julio really appreciate your time mate and cheers for joining us thanks very much all the best with uh, everything you do and I hope you help a lot of people thank you mate and thanks Crabbers thanks for thanks for steamrolling in 10 past and yes take- sorry sorry everybody again I will pay my fine now if you remind us all how we can donate and everything I'll get that done immediately I- Absolutely. Well, you've just reminded me actually that I need to get that. Yeah, yeah. Yes, but Send yeah, the link, a, please. 
yes, there is, I will send you both the link. But yes, we, there'll be a there'll be a link at the top of the space soon. But yeah, if people want to donate, just head across to the Rote Report Twitter timeline. Just click on my profile picture, um, and there are plenty of donation links up on the timeline. Um, but yeah, no thanks, guys. Really appreciate the time. Cheers. Thanks very much. Thanks for asking us. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.